Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out partiallyexaminedlife.com slash support. This is the Partially Examined Life episode 297, part three. Still discussing Heidegger's being in time. We had gotten up to chapter three. We wanted to, in this last session before we put Heidegger to bed, talk more about, well, we, we got into worldhood right? The world is the general background of stuff underlying our every behavior, but that's a little diffuse. That seems vague. So we're going to talk about equipment here, which is the category ready to hand. So present at hand. And what does your translation call it, Wes? Objective presence. Objective presence. Which I like. Yeah. Is what Aristotle thought everything was, what most people, what science certainly thinks everything is. And thus we start, I had pointed at page 97, which is actually a couple pages into section 15, which is the worldhood of the world is chapter three. And then A, analysis of environmentality and worldhood in general. Section 15 is called the being of the entities encountered in the environment. If you guys want to summarize or anything, these are the first two pages, or we could just jump right to where he introduces ready to hand, which is, for me, the top of page 97. Yeah, that's fine. We can just go there. So he's like, what, what are the kinds of things that are in the world? Well, are they things? <laughs> that sounds like present to hand. The Greeks had some word that I'm not going to try to pronounce. These approximately as mere things. We should call these entities, which we encounter in concern, equipment, right? So this has to do with the concernful dealings. In our dealings, we come across equipment for writing, sewing, working, transportation, measurement, kind of being which equipment possesses must be exhibited. The clue for doing this lies in our first defining what makes an item of equipment, namely its equipmentality. Is there a better translation for that, Wes? Did you find where we are? I'm still trying to find where you are. So the paragraph before that is one may answer colon things. I bet even if you have a different translation that will stand out. Yeah, we answer things and then you got into the paragraph with the Greek Yes. Right? The, the one, Greeks yep, had an appropriate yep. term for things, Pragmata. Yeah. We shall call the beings encountered in taking care useful things. In association, we find things for writing, things for sewing, things for working, driving, measuring. We must elucidate the kind of being of useful things. This can be done following the guideline of the previous definition of what makes a useful thing a useful thing. Usable material. Sounds quite different. Yeah. I thought that your translation was more literal. I bet in this case, no. And then, strictly speaking, there is no such thing as a useful thing. Is he translating equipment, useful thing? I think in this, in our translation, it's a little clearer. He says, taken strictly, there is no such thing as an equipment. To the being of any equipment, there always belongs a totality of equipment in which it can be this equipment that it is. So I think what he's getting at here is, you know, in the paragraph before he mentions pragmata, 
for Greek, he talks about race, R-E-S, like the Latin race, things, yeah. race. And what he wants to do is say, this is what we encounter, the being of the entities we encounter in the world. But it's not, you don't individuate this thing or that thing. It's stuff. It sounds almost like a kind of a structuralist take on usefulness and equipmentality, let's say. So like normally we think, okay, what makes something useful, right? This is a relational property at best. It's not an inherent property of an object. It's only relative to our purposes, right? And therefore to our consciousnesses that something could be thought of as useful typically, right? But once again, I think we get a Heideggerian twist on that. My understanding of this, it could turn out to be wrong, but is just that the way he's going to do that is to say, all right, well, if we want to talk about usefulness, we're not going to refer back to consciousness and human purposes. Instead, we will look at the totality of things and see how the equipment relates to the rest of everything else. And then, you know, that's why I called it structuralism. And then if we can, so if we can locate it within that broader structure, then we can identify it as useful or not useful. You could do this behavioristically as well. But I think the way I understand this is that he's reaching for a non-mentalist way to define these things. The idea of belonging to a totality of useful things is what I'm pivoting off there. And this is a recurring theme in Heidegger, this relationship between a particular piece of equipment and everything else. Okay, so equipment in German, das Zeug. The word Zeug has no precise English equivalent. It may mean any implement, instrument, or tool. Heidegger used it for the most part as a collective noun, which is analogous to a relatively specific gear, as in gear for fishing, or the more elaborate paraphernalia, or the still more general equipment, which is what they are going to call. It's kind of like stuff, they say. In general, however, the pejorative connotation of stuff is not there. So, Or paraphernalia. I mean, the thing about gear and equipment are those are enabling for activities. Right. And things that you're doing. And I think stuff and paraphernalia don't carry that kind of connotation with them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I like this as like another version of factuality versus facticity and all these other dualisms uh, yes. of we got to have a different term to talk about the special human kind of whatever the thing is. That's why I wanted to look at this word because if it had a composite in it like useful things like Wes's translation has you would see that in there then it, you know ding or whatever would be thing and ding ho or whatever the literal translation of useful things but the fact that that's not in there to me means that that saying calling it useful things is makes it sound like there's things and then there's a subcategory of those that are the useful things and I think he's trying to set up something that's more primordial than thinghood itself not a subcategory of thinghood. Yeah, we want this to be, regardless of how we feel about the translation, yeah, I think this is going to be something ontologically basic, and it's important because normally we don't think of it that way. We think that there's matter out there, and it, you know, what is a hammer? It's only a hammer relative to human consciousness and human purposes thought of and mentalist. So here's another explanation. Useful things later down in the paragraph, useful things are always in terms of their belonging to other useful things. That's where we would expect someone to say useful things are always, we have to define them in terms of human consciousness and human purposes. Instead, we get them in terms of their belonging to other useful things, writing materials, pen, ink, paper, desk, blotter, etc. 
And again, these are ontologically, we're meant to think of these, I think, as ontologically basic and not posterior to human conscious, but maybe even prior to it. Continuing, these things never show themselves proximately as they are for themselves, so as to add up to a sum of realia and fill up a room, like real things, I guess, is realia. What we encounter as closest to us, though not as something taken as a theme, is the room, and we encounter it not as something between four walls in a geometrical space, but as equipment for residing. Out of this arrangement emerges, and it is in this that any individual item of equipment shows itself. Before it does so, a totality of equipment has already been discovered. I just was going to suggest you read that last sentence. Yep, which you so did. it's just a gestalt thing that we... Yeah, totality of useful things is always already discovered before the individual useful things, which I think means we can only call it equipment relative to the totality, the things to which it's related. Sounds very structuralist to me. Somebody want to keep going with the next paragraph there? Uh, this is the famous example. Equipment can genuinely show itself only in dealings cut to its own measure, hammering with a hammer, for example. But in such dealings, an entity of this kind is not grasped thematically as an occurring thing, nor is the equipment structure known as such even in the using. The hammering does not simply have knowledge about the hammer's character as equipment, but it has appropriated this equipment in a way which could not possibly be more suitable. In dealings such as this, where something is put to use, our concern subordinates itself to the in order to, which is constitutive for the equipment we are employing at the time. The less we just stare at the hammer thing and the more we seize holes of it and use it, the more primordial does our relationship to it become and the more unveiledly it is encountered as that which it is as equipment. In my translations, the less we stare at the thing called the hammer, right? If we're staring at the hammer and contemplating it as just as a physical object, that's more like presence at hand or objective presence. But to the extent that we're absorbed in the world and not in that mode, that mode that we associate with factuality and with science, to the extent we're involved with the world, we encounter the world, again, I think tacitly or procedurally, right? Our mode is not cognitive and explicit. It's more implicit and procedural. A lot of it happens below the level of conscious awareness, right? Just everything that we're, the way we're behaving in the world, we're constantly using things, interacting with the world without ever explicitly thinking about it. And it's an important mode of relating, which I think he's trying to say that has priority in a way. Traditionally, and we talked about this, as priority is given to the cognitive and to the epistemological and to knowledge in the knowledge that sense instead of the know-how sense. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.